everybody. Welcome back to a special bonus episode, an emergency episode, as they say in the podcasting biz. Thank you so much for being here. Of course, I'm Dylan Bowman, and you are listening to the Pillars Podcast. And today I'm joined by frequent guest, my friend, collaborator, and often commentary partner, the awesome Corinne Malcolm is here. And as we sometimes do, Corinne joined again today to discuss the recent news in trail and ultra running. More specifically, we talk about the announcement that came into my inbox bright and early this morning and was also distributed on social media from UTMB about the new races that are gonna be part of the UTMB World Series. So we tackle what the races are, what it means, and we specifically talk a lot about the partnership or uh, the collaboration between Western States and UTMB and the broader impact it has on the sporting and industry landscape. And at the end, we also discuss a bit about the Havelina 100. We talk about the golden ticket races, a little update on that front, and we look ahead a bit towards 2022. If you don't already, please go subscribe to the Trail Society podcast, the other show in the Pillars Network, where my guest today, the awesome Corinne Malcolm and her co-hosts, Keely Henninger and Hillary Allen, tackle a lot of important topics and generally provide a voice of reason and leadership in our sport. So go subscribe to their podcast and check out their show if you haven't already. And as always, if you appreciate the hard work that we put into the show as we try to be of service to you all, to the sport and to the community at large, please consider subscribing to our app or supporting us on Patreon. It is a simple ask to those who find our work valuable and a humongous thank you to those who do support. You are the reason, the only reason this show exists and we love you for it. Okay, on with the show. Please welcome Corinne Malcolm. Okay, joining me yet again, my good friend, partner, uh, sort of thought leader in the sport, the great Corinne Malcolm joins us again. One of my favorite minds in the sport of trail running. Corinne, welcome back to the show. I feel like it's been forever since I've seen you, but we see a lot of each other. So how are you? What's new? Yeah, you're kind of stuck with me. Um, you know, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> not a whole lot. I've been traveling a lot. Um, we had a friend get married here in the Bay Area. That was super fun. I was just at Havelina, which we'll talk about in a little bit, um, helping another local Bay Area runner out and just getting to see everyone was so amazing to be in the race atmosphere. Got to hang out with our good friend, Jason Coop while I was there. So just, oh, you know, like, oh, I'm so hungry to race and like very excited to get back to it eventually. <laughs> but getting to be at these things are very cool. I was at Moab 240 Jeez. as well. So I had to move up to 40 to crew and it's pace. like, what race have you not been to this year? I feel like you go to every single one. We're not getting to <laughs> race at all this year. I've been to more races than ever. I think. Well, you're having a big impact on the sport without being able to race. You have had an incredible year and you have certainly been great at uh, documenting the journey, both uh, using your voice using your podcast, using your social platforms. 
So uh, it's great to have you back on, Corinne. You're my favorite person to talk about the sport with. And we have news to cover. We have things to talk about. And uh, specifically, we're going to be talking about the announcement which hit our inboxes this morning from the UTMB organization, the announcements of seven new races as part of the UTMB World Series, the new organizational architecture within the sport of trail and ultra running, uh, sort of in partnership between UTMB and Ironman. So that'll be the bulk of our conversation today. And then at the end, I think we'll talk about Havelina, where Corinne was. We'll provide a little bit of a recap synopsis of what's going on in the golden ticket races and uh, within the sport in general. But I think first we have to tackle the big news of the day, the UTMB announcement. Corinne, I think the best place to start is to lay the facts out before we start uh, sort of providing editorial opinions about the matter and before we start speculating about other news that might be coming down the pipeline. So why don't uh, you take the ball and run with it from here, provide a little bit of a synopsis of what was in the announcement, what the facts are, and then uh, I'll plug any holes on the back end. Yeah, sounds good. So UTMB kept us waiting an extra day. They last week told us they'd be announcing things as of November 3rd. Um, that came and passed. They said, oh, one more day to wait. And then um, this morning, we kind of all got the news as to kind of what the UTMB World Series for 2022 is going to look like. And I just want to remind our listeners and our viewers that this is going to take place or like this is going to replace the Ultra Trail World Tour, which has also been run by UTMB ostensibly for the past number of years. So this will take place of the ultra world tour. And the goal is to eventually have 30 races all over the, like all over the world, really. Um, and included in those races are going to be what are considered continental championships. And those will be, I imagine, honestly, like Lavaredo would be a good European continental championship and then the Americas. So again, it's going to be all of North America and South America and Central America will have a continental championship as well as Asia. There are going to be three of those, and then there's going to be 30 series races. And so today, the big announcements was, what are some of those series races? And I think the biggest news there, in my mind, was that Western States is, in fact, going to be a partner with UTMB in the World Series. This is not a buyout. They, you know, it's not Western States did not get bought. I think that was a big concern for the American audience. Like, oh, great. Okay, here's this thing. No, it is still its own. Um, I was getting texts from my European teammates about that this morning that they were very concerned, but no, it's still its own thing. Um, obviously you're on the board, so you can speak to that in a little bit as well. But then they announced races in another race in the Americas with a race in Mexico in October. Um, we all, we already knew that Tarawera was going to be one of the races, um, as, as well with ultra trail Australia, but then they announced a number, a handful more races in, um, in Europe, including a race in, or not in Europe, in Asia, including a race in Hong Kong, and then a slew of races in Europe, including a revamp of the Andorra 100, um, a new race in France, um, taking over Lavaredo, which we kind of speculated was going to happen because they added a new distance. Dylan was the super sleuth on that one. He, he caught that maybe a month <laughs> ago. So they announced, um, I think those are the big the big things, the, the race in Spain is going to go on as it did this past year, Mozart 100 by UTMB. So they kind of like have taken, that was part of the ultra world tour, but now they've taken a, a name partnership in that my European teammates are upset because 
all those races basically ha- take part like in June. Like yeah. it's like a five week spread of races. And it's like down the road, I guess the big thing here to clear up for people is what does this mean for 2022 versus what does this mean for 2023? I think would be a good next step. Yeah. Let, let's get to that in a sec. Before we do that, let's just be specific about the races that they announced today. Yep. So they announced seven new races as part of the new UTMB world series, bringing the total to 15. The seven that they announced today was the trail du Saint-Jacques by UTMB, which takes place June 11th. The La Sportiva Lavaredo Ultra Trail by UTMB now uh, the same weekend as Western States, the last weekend in June. The same weekend, there is a new race, part of the UTMB World Series. Uh, This is the Andorra 100 that Corinne just mentioned, Western States, as Corinne just mentioned. Then a new race to me, uh, the Nice Cote d'Azur by UTMB, which is in September. Puerto Vallarta, Mexico by UTMB in October and Translantau uh, race in Hong Kong by UTMB in November. So those were the seven races that they added to the eight existing races, Tarawera, Ultra Trail Australia, Mozart, Valderon, Panda Trail, Galigong, Thailand by UTMB, and the UTMB Mont Blanc, the real uh sort of you know what we've all known as UTMB to this point yeah yeah the series finale so but as you said Corinne we do expect to have a total of 30 races uh so to me my first reaction was uh, I thought they were going to announce 30 races and they announced seven and a total of 15 now so uh as part of this initial rollout it seems like they are going to be sharing news from further acquisitions and further races that are going to be part of the UTMB world series between now and the end of the year, I would hope. But yeah, now, it, sounds, it sounds like they're going to release those, um, every two weeks for, and basically from now until the end of the year is, is my understanding of that. And per interview information via run the Alps, it sounded like they are promising four races in the Americas. So I think it's predominantly going to be the U.S. and Mexico. Is it going to be included in that? So we're waiting for two more races to be announced within the U.S. They're going to fall into that category for 2022. Yep. So now let's go back to what you were saying before I listed off those events about the difference between 2022 and 2023. I think this is one of the most important facts for our listeners who are wondering how this is going to impact their ability to run UTMB themselves. And just to also reinforce that I think one of the things that is unique about this new organizational architecture, one of the, I think the visions is to level the playing field for everybody so that we are getting into the races with the same rules as all recreational age group runners as well. So we can either race in at one of these races or get in through the stone uh, lottery system. But why don't you, Corinne, sort of explain how this impacts 2022 versus 2023. Yeah. So there isn't going to be a huge change, I believe for 2022, i.e. particularly for elites, they're not going to be racing in this year. They're going to predominantly be using what was formerly an ITRA score, but is now a UTMB index score. It's, it's the exact same thing more or less, um, to pre-qualify. So either to get automatic entry into the elite field or to, um, to bypass the lottery, but still have to pay a fee. So that, that will still be in existence for 2022. 
that's not clear if that will still be in existence for 2023 or if it will be more of a complete racing in model. And that racing in model that we're talking about for 2023 for both age group and elites will be top three at World Series races and top 10 at um, continental race or continental championship races. So that's still to come down the road. These races akin to be, so everyone remembers that you needed X number of points to qualify for these races. So there, that is still an effect, but instead of calling them points, they're now calling them stones and world series races. So, you know, Western States would be, would, would have been worth like five or six points before, right? If it was a, if it was a continental championship race, it'd now be worth 10 stones into it. So they'll, they'll be higher priority. So you'll get more points for the lottery as well by doing continental series races, collecting more stones than you would at other ones. Also your distances have to match up, i.e. in order to try to apply into the hundred mile lottery for UTMB, you have to have done a hundred K or a hundred mile world series race for the hundred K being CCC, you'd have to do a hundred K um, or a, maybe even a 50 K so that it's going to step down. So you can't have done like a 20 K or a 50 K, you know, world series qualifier and get into UTMB off of that. So that's right. kind of the big note there. Then they're going to be using those stones that you collect to basically give you points in the lottery year after year. It's pretty freaking confusing. Isn't it's it? So I think it's more complicated than before. Yeah. I mean, this is really my main takeaway from the whole thing is like, I was expecting the announcement to really clarify a lot of things and I've been left with more questions than answers. So really you and I are kind of processing this together right now and we're trying to think through this in real time. So appreciate our listeners for understanding. I mean, there's a lot of different thing, different directions that we can go now, Corinne. There's a lot of other things that we need to talk about as it relates to the series, the races that are included, the races that aren't included. Is there any other like sort of top line reactions for you about just the overall structure of this or any major questions that are at the front of your mind or any things that were glaringly omitted from this announcement? I think clarity, I think clarity was glaringly, um, omitted. I think that it's going to be hard. I think before, and maybe they'll keep external qualifiers. Like as years build on, they'll have more and more UTMB series races, and that will allow more opportunities to qualify or at least get, you know, stones to apply through the lottery with, particularly for like the general population, right? Like elites, this is going to control your season though, particularly like if you want to get into UTMB, you're going to have, you know, 10 races to choose from that are hopefully early enough season that you can, you know, that are going to be hundred K or hundred miles in order to compete. And so this does give, in my mind, this gives UTMB a lot of control. Um, if the end goal is to be in that series finale and that is good and bad, right? Like, does this add professionals into the sport? Maybe will will sponsorship dollars follow that maybe, right? But this is going to require buy-in from other brands, major sponsors outside of Hoka being the the title sponsor here to push their athletes to do those qualifiers in order to make it in. So I'm really curious to see what that looks like. Not even so much this year, but next year, 2023, how brands take that on, because it's going to be a larger commitment for athletes to potentially get in if they have to race in. Yeah. Right. That controls your season. Um, Yeah. Which is, that's like that to me, I feel conflicted about that. Part of me says, okay, well, I'm racing Run Rabbit in the fall. Yeah. But it's like, 
you know, I'll have FOMO at the same time if I do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, obviously it's a, a big, uh, sort of, I don't know, inflection point in the history of the sport. We're definitely sort of on the precipice of a new generation and, this whole thing is going to have a big impact on the trajectory of our sport over the next 10, 20 years or beyond. And so that's why it's a little bit frustrating to sort of like, we're all waiting. We're all trying to understand what this is going to look like. And I think we're all going to sort of be learning on the fly about how this is going to be impacting the sport and impacting our participation in the sport on an individual level for, you know, years to come. And it's probably going to be a while until it's all made clear. A few things that sort of stick out to me, Corinne, just sort of talking about the specific races that were included. Number one was the addition of the Lavaredo uh, ultra trail in June in the Dolomites in Cortina, Italy, a race that had originally been part of the Spartan trail world championship. And I thought this was an interesting addition to the calendar. Again, given the fact that they had this established relationship with Spartan, but before Spartan with the ultra trail world world tour. And it has been, I think at least common knowledge in certain circles that the race was sort of for sale. Um, and it seems like UTMB won that, that sale, won that yeah, deal, won the bid there, yeah. won the bid for the Lavaredo ultra trail. And uh, yeah, I think beyond Lavaredo and Western States, a lot of these races are not established, right? They're sort of like new, if not like totally new events, not like name brand recognizable races like we were used to with the ultra trail world tour, which was made up of a bunch of independent race organizations. And it might be hard to buy your way in there, right? Like you either have to collaborate like Western States, who's a big enough race or that they could probably put their foot down and say, Hey, we want to be, we, we will be part of this with you, but you can't buy us. And that's going to be that they're going to have a harder time in certain markets, potentially getting ownership of some of these races, unless they've got a similar title, title sponsor, um, or they're going to make money off of that. And a lot of these other races have only been around maybe for a year. Like I think Valderon was its first, first edition this past year. I think it was supposed to happen the year of the, the initial year of the pandemic that race got canceled this past year. It happened and they, they had major issues out there. They actually had, um, some sort of, I don't, I don't know if it was a parasite or, um, bacteria in their water source for the race. And a large number of the runners got sick. Many got hospitalized. Like it was, it was not good. So, you know, that's a big, you know, kind of like these are, these are fledgling races in a lot of way. Maybe it's rebranding. Um, Andorra has had a hundred mile race in the past. Um, it's a very, if it's going to be the same course as what that race was, it's going to be very, very hilly and very, very rugged. It it could be a rebranding of certain races. Um, my big thing though, too, is like, I look at these races and I'm like, okay, so for the U S let's say it's Western States. And right now a race in Mexico in October, we all know how hard it is to get into Western States. So cool. Like eliminate that as an option for 99% of us. Um, and then this race in Mexico, like that's, that's a huge travel commitment for people. And so it's like, okay, what is the actual, like, will there be will there be an equal opportunity for American athletes, for North American athletes and South and Central American athletes to 
race a qualifier before there were so many races on the qualification list to, to acquire the points, to apply the lottery, to get into the race. Like it was, it was a complicated process. This has eliminated a lot of the races and that's kind of what they want. I think over time is to have control of that. That's going to require athletes to commit to traveling to Europe, traveling to Asia, maybe traveling to New Zealand or Australia, which I think is part of their, their like thing. They're like, they want this like connectivity. They want athletes to travel, but that's not a reality for so many people. Mm -hmm. Um, like it's a huge financial investment. And so it's complicated. I, it's super, it's complicated. super complicated. And I don't know what the other two U.S. or North American slash South Central American or races are going to be. Yeah. And like, what happens if those are super limiting as well? Yeah, I'm trying to find the quote here, but I think there was at least a suggestion in one of these press releases or one of the things that I read today about this announcement that there will be races that are golden tickets for Western states that are part of the UTMB World Series as well. For 2023, I believe. They're right. going to be announced in the next uh, four to eight weeks. And so, so I imagine what those are going to be, though, is it's probably going to be Bandera or Black Canyon's Ahoka-affiliated golden ticket race. So maybe not for this year's edition of UTMB, but for 2023 edition of UTMB, that could be your 100K or 100-mile qualifier. And to me, it's like, okay, I get that, but I'm not an athlete who could be like, I might not be top 10 at one of those races if they're super, super competitive, but I sure as heck believe I can be top 10 at UTMB. Yeah. And so it's like, is that like, is that my what, only what way What does in? that mean? Is that my yeah. only way in that I yeah. have to be top three at black canyons? Yeah. So again, more questions and answers at this point. And it's easy to sort of go down the rabbit hole of like how, how this is going to impact us all on an individual level, but yeah, just complicated, complex, definitely for American runners who are the bulk of the people who are going to listen to this show. Lots of question marks. A lot of questions about those who have UTMB as a bucket list event. How are they going to get in? And, uh, you know, I'm sure UTMB is taking that seriously, understanding that the U.S. is a big market and that they want to speak to the North American audience. But my but guess is that- races is hard. I was just going to say that, Corinne. I, I think potentially my guess is that maybe they underestimated how difficult it was going to be to, to find- uh, potential acquisition targets. And, and who knows, maybe the next announcement is going to have a number of North American races. And we'll, yeah, we I was, will... I was gonna say, I was tagged in a post on Facebook, um, by one of my athletes whose wife has a major hand in Pikes Peak. Mm -hmm. Um, she runs the finish line for them for the Pikes Peak marathon and ascent. Um, and they said they have not said anything today, but yesterday they said big announcement coming tomorrow. And my antenna went up and I said, oh, wow, does that mean Pikes Peak Marathon or Pikes Peak Ascent is going to become a qualifier or a World Series race, right? It'd be a 50K, probably is what they try to aim for, getting that OCC qualifier, maybe CCC qualifier. I mean, maybe add 100K or maybe something Maybe add 100K. Too. So it's... Jeez. That's like, this, that's like the week before the UTMB say. though. Yeah. So that's the thing. It's like, are they going to be allowed to qualify? If so, I mean, there's races that are after. UTMB, right? There's, yeah. uh, Thailand will be in November or not Thailand. Uh, yeah. Hong Kong should be in November. Um, there's a race in France, like several, you know, a month after there's, um, the race in Mexico is in October. Like, does that qualify you for that year's edition or the following year's edition? Yeah. Right. Like, so I don't, yeah. I, I don't know what's coming there. That's like super speculative, but it's like, we are going to get another announcement. It sounds like every two weeks, according to the UTMB press op press officer, um, 
per some other media set that's come out. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that that broadens, but I imagine they're just having problems acquiring stuff um, outside of like Hoka affiliated races that might be more willing to come on as a partner. I figured there was going to be more crossover with the existing ultra trail world tour races. Like there's no Madeira, there's no Cape town, there's no Iger trail. And so like beyond Lavarado, no UTMF. Yeah. So there's, uh, aside from Lavarado and Western States, they're not like named Australia brand. too, right? Ultra Trail Australia has that. Yeah, but those that we that, that we already knew about. Yeah, yeah. Terrawera, Ultra Trail Australia were part of the initial announcement. So was Mozart um, in Austria. So Lavarado and Western States were definitely like the key announcements of this tranche of Probably seven tra- races. Trans Canaria, right? Yeah. Like, kind of surprised that that's not part of this. Yeah, they went with Spartan too. So I, I don't know. This is going to be really interesting to see. Um, yeah, exactly what the total lineup is when all 30 have been announced. And then, yeah, then we can all sort of have a better understanding of how we will all get into UTMB individually. If that's something that is on your long-term or short, short-term, uh, plans or bucket list as a trail and ultra runner. But Corinne, the other thing that I thought was really interesting was sort of like how consolidated these races are. You already mentioned that five of the 15 races. Well, yeah. Five of the 15 races that have been announced at this point are in June. So June 11th is the trail du Saint-Jacques, I think it's sort of like Southern central France. Then you have the Mozart hundred K by UTMB in Austria, June 18th. And then three races on the same weekend, Lavaredo, this Andorra 100 and Western States 100 are all on the same weekend. And to me, I don't know, feels like a a busy calendar there, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, if you have 30 races throughout the course of the year, it's like Ironman, right? There's Ironmans like every weekend, right? But I don't know. One of the things that I've always thought is that Lavaredo has got to move, like move one week back, make Lavaredo the 4th of July weekend. It's own thing. Yeah, make it its own thing. It does, it's, it's a disservice to a race of that high quality that everybody thinks is a phenomenal event in a beautiful place to have it the same weekend as Western States, which takes up so much oxygen in our sport and which demands and deserves so much attention. You're watching but, us that day. You're not right, watching Lavaredo. Right. And for Lavaredo, and I think for the UTMB organization and for this new world series, having Lavaredo be like a key centerpiece of this calendar is really important. And speaking as a selfish American too, is like, if you move that one week back, not only is it better for the sport because we have Western States sort of like commanding the space that occupies that weekend. And then the next weekend in Europe, having a phenomenal, uh, yeah, mountain race, it would be great to go to Western States and then jump on a plane the next day and go, go to Italy. I'm in. We'll but, volunteer. But I think, you know, beyond my own selfish motivations there, I think it would be better for the sport in general. And, uh, yeah, anyway, this is just one of the things that I thought it was a little bit, um, a little bit strange in this announcement because they announced seven races, very cramped, you know, seven races today. And three of them are on the same weekend, you know, none of, none of the spring. Why are there no February, March, April, May races on this calendar. Yeah. Right. right. If you, if you want legitimate, if you want, maybe that's what's coming and that's going to be a 2023 focus, but if you want legitimate contenders at UTMB, we've seen that Western States UTMB double, it's not easy. 
Yeah. Right. Like we've seen that Lavarado UTMB double. We've seen that these like these June to August doubles are possible. I mean, we've seen we've seen tighter ones with you know our Hard Rock UTMB doubles this year. But why not give athletes an opportunity to get their UTMB qualifier done in March? Yeah. Right. Like to me, that's that is a logical answer to this calendar issue. Yeah. This is kind of similar to what happens in Ironman too. Corinne is like after Kona, after the world championship, the pros who have like enough points to where they're almost certainly going to get into Kona, no matter what after Kona, which is in October every year, a lot of them will go to Ironman Florida or Ironman Arizona, I think is one of the later season races. And they'll just kind of like walk through it and just finish and quote unquote validate for the next year's race. So maybe one of the things that we might end up seeing is like after UTMB, people might go do a race in the, you know, the back half of the year. And right now as the calendar stands currently today with 15 races, we know it's very back of the calendar loaded back heavy. And so maybe yeah, no Istria, up... no Istria on this. No, uh, what's the Turkish race? Yeah, the Cappadocia. Cappadocia is not on this list. Like, yeah, like maybe, maybe those are coming, but they're not here right now. Yeah, I thought there was going to be a lot more of the established Ultra Trail World Tour events on the calendar, and we got to get to Western states too because we have a lot to talk about where that's concerned. But last time we talked on one of these like news program podcasts, Corinne, it was right when the new golden ticket races had been announced. Yes. And my speculation at that point was that, okay, these races are probably a preview of what we can expect to be announced for the UTMB world series. And to this point, I'm completely wrong in that speculation because I thought for sure we would have seen the Templier races as part of this announcement. I thought we would see at least sort of like yeah, a black Canyon or Hoka, um, and so who knows, again, maybe those races it's in process and negotiation now, or, you know, the, for some reason they want to roll this out in sort of a piecemeal way, but yeah, I thought that was a, I was totally expecting to see those races announced as part of the world series, just by virtue of the fact that Hoka is now the brand partner of the UTMB world series and Hoka is also the brand partner of the golden ticket races in Western States as well. So I thought we were going to see more overlap between those golden ticket races and the UTMB world series races. And to this point, I'm wrong on that speculation. Yeah, we don't have them yet. And maybe that's coming. I would not be surprised if the two other North American races announced are golden ticket races. That seems to be the speculation there. We'll have to wait and see. Um, and that might be something that grows for 2023's edition that we just don't have yet. But there's still, I think, once again, the biggest takeaway here is that there are still more questions than answers and that the entry process for 2022 is going to look more akin to how it's been in 2021, um, where a lot of our races had UTMB points involved. I think that that those races, most of them still have that status and that will qualify you with the points slash stones to apply for the lottery for the general population where most elites are going to get in through their UTMB index score and bypass the lottery. And then I think for 2023 will be our big change with both the general population and elites racing their way in maybe predominantly. And then it sounds like there will be, that's not enough people, right? If you think about it. So there will still be a lottery involved and you will have to, if you're not racing your way in, doing a UTMB series race will give you the stones to apply for the lottery and 
you know, yeah. it'll trickle down from there. Again, extremely confusing. And this is a little bit of a theme right now going on a little bit of a tangent is like also with the golden trail series, as we talked about during our live stream coverage of the broken arrow sky race is like, I don't understand. <laughs> like if for some reason, it's very confusing in the sport right now, not only with this UTMB world series, but also like the golden trail series. And like, what was the final in the Azores versus the, the race that they were doing on some other Island the weekend before. Anyway, I think uh, we'd all benefit from a little bit of simplification at this point. And I'm speaking as somebody who pays attention to this shit like all the time and who thinks I'm relatively educated on sports in general. And I'm completely in the woods right now. So if you're listening and totally confused, uh, you know, you're don't not feel too alone. Bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We are also, we're, we're right there with you. We are also super mega confused. And I think the next thing for us to touch on is really, the Western States conversation. I think that was the, the focal point of this announcement for the American audience, um, our beloved Western States. And there's been so much like nice, you know, beautiful prose written about this today. Um, saying, Oh, it's the merger of these two, or not merger, but it's like the combination of two, you know, the two races that hold our heart, that pull out our heartstrings that are so important to us, you know, combining these trail cultures together, you know, with this fast, hot race, and then this mountainous rugged race. And like, isn't that beautiful? And I'm like, kind of, but I have sitting in front of me, a Western States board member. So I think this is, you know, no better. I mean, I've also, I, I, maybe I didn't tell you this. I told Coop this, um, before I, I didn't text toe for good morning. I text him. Hey, so what's up Like or toe for Gaylord. Who's another Western States board member woke up uh, at 6 1 AM to a text message from me demanding answers. So, yeah. um, which, you know, he walked me through very, very graciously. Um, and so I'm curious, like, I think most of the listening audience is curious is what does that mean for Western states? What, what, yeah. what does this look like? What does this collaboration look like, um, for them on the outside and for like the greater good of the sport? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess just to put on the table before we launch into the subject, I am now on the board of the Western States 100. I have yet to attend my first meeting, so I haven't been fully, uh, I think introduced or, or so, yeah, like I, I don't know the inner workings about how this all was developed. I don't know how the negotiations went, but the facts that I do know are that obviously Western States is going to remain an independent organization within the UTMB world series. My guess is it's going to be the only race that is granted that exemption by virtue of its stature and importance in a sport. And I think that's a fair and right thing to do. Uh, and we'll talk, I think a little bit more about yeah how the races are going to be collaborating together, but I think just kind of my first initial takeaway, Corinne, and I'll be curious to see if you agree is that I honestly think it's a really good thing that these two races are approaching this next generation of the sport in a collaborative and constructive way, right? Like, I think it would be very easy for Western states to say, you know, we don't need you guys. We're Western states. We're really important on our own. We don't necessarily need to be part of the UTMB World Series. And instead, sort of like embodying what is kind of the, the spirit of the sport, that being collaborativeness and community and generally uh, 
and not being adversarial with one another, or overly competitive. I think it's really good to see these two race organizations, unquestionably the two most important races in the world, being collaborative, being constructive with each other, and also being sort of like co-leaders as we sort of move into this next generation of the sport. So to me, I think that's a big positive as part of this announcement, obviously we all knew that Western States was not for sale. It's never going to be for sale. So it's, it's great that UTMB would make the exemption to allow Western States to be part of the series, uh, without having to sell out or ha having to sell to the UTMB organization. And it's also great that Western States would come to the table with that spirit of, we are both leaders. We are both incredibly important races. The sport is in better hands when we work together. So let's work together and move forward from that position. So that was my initial reaction. Again, like I said, I was not part of any of these conversations between Western States and UTMB. I don't know what the considerations were on the Western state side, um, but it to me is enormously positive and illustrative of the culture and spirit of the sport that they're working together rather than in opposition. Yeah. And I think it, I think it can be a very positive thing, right? I think our, there's this initial reaction of, of ownership one or the, one over the other, or, um, that it's going to, yeah, that it's not like this, like, I, I think it's, I think the intentions of it are pure, purer than we might initially jump to with an announcement like this. Um, as far as, you know, what people are going to get out of it. Um, I'm honestly, my text to Topher this morning was there are some things going on with the world series that I'm not particularly fond of. And I said, I think that, you know, Western States, because Western States has this distinction of being a leader in the sport of being an advocate in the sport of being a voice in the sport that it can actually affect some real change potentially in the rest of the series, as far as doing what's best for the athletes, be it qualification or interactions with anti-doping and whatever that's going to look like down the road. I think that having this really solid sounding board that does command a lot of respect in the trail rate, like in the racing space of the organization space, to me, that's what was most important in that collaborative effort. And them having like, and, and Western States maintaining its autonomy was the fact that I do firmly believe that they will be a checks and balances in a lot of ways to a potentially very French, very European uh, ideology of what is best for the entirety of the sport of trail and ultra running. And so yeah. maybe that's a little bit uh, nuanced or a little bit, you know, I don't know, kind of nebulous, but I think that is incredibly, that that is going to be an incredibly important role that that race as a whole can play for the betterment of the whole series. Yeah. Yeah. No, well said. And and I think definitely, you know, there's, there's places where UTMB can potentially help Western States and there's places where Western States can help UTMB. But I think, yeah, the biggest, yeah, the, I think the biggest positive is the fact that, yeah, rather than existing in opposition and creating friction with one another and all the sort of destructive energy that could come for that, for the sport that the two organizations are working together. And, and my belief is that they, they both have the best intentions for the sport. We can disagree on the details, but I think we're in good hands when these two races can cooperate. I just want to read a quote from Craig Thornley that was included 
in the press release today because I think it is relevant as we talk about the Western states' inclusion in this announcement. And what Craig says here, Craig Thornley, of course, the race director of the Western States 100, he said, the Western States Endurance Run is proud to be part of the UTMB World Series. For many years, our sport has attempted to connect the most prestigious, challenging, and historic events in a meaningful and transformative way, one that demonstrates how runners from across the globe can experience the highest levels of human endurance endeavor. The UTMB World Series promises to do this in a very unifying and wel welcoming way. We are also excited to share the reciprocal agreement with the UTMB World Series in that the sport's finest athletes can qualify for both Western States and the UTMB World Series through the Western States Golden Ticket Race Series. We welcome the strong sense of collaboration and the promise for shared excellence for runners of all abilities that underpins this new and exciting development in our sport. Yeah. So to me, is that speaking to the fact that UTMB is a qualifier for Western states and Western states can then therefore be a qualifier for UTMB as opposed to the entirety of the Western states golden ticket series being like a part of the UTMB world series. Does that like, does that question make sense to you? Yeah, no, I, I think again, it's a, it's a little bit hard to read the tea leaves, right? Like, does this mean that the golden ticket races are going to be part of the UTMB world series uh, or that, you know, obviously we, we do know that those who perform well at Western States will be in at UTMB just because that's how the whole world series is going to be structured all leading up to UTMB, which is going to be the world final. But I think it does raise an interesting question. That being, you know, I think one of the major lessons we learned as a sport this year was that the Western States UTMB double is a very hard thing to pull off when basically every athlete who did Western States and then attempted to run UTMB later in the summer had a really difficult time at UTMB. Many of those athletes not even making it to the finish line at UTMB. So if you I think if Emily Hoggood was the only, the only one who yeah. made it to the finish for that double, which is insane because she also raced like every single golden ticket race to get into Western States. So it's like, yeah. what a season, but yeah. So I think generally we'll, we'll probably see on the professional side of the sport, most athletes focusing on either or and fewer athletes focusing on both in the same season. But again, to yeah, be I determined, you could do CCC though, potentially right with the hundred K hundred mile overlapping qualifiers that you could in theory, use your Western States qualification to race CCC for example, yeah. which is not a terrible double. Um, Abby Hall, um, although did not have the day, I think she was capable of at Western States, like came back and had an amazing CCC. So maybe that bodes well for the CCC field continuing to be super competitive. Yeah. So, and that, that's the one other thing about the series that we should mention too, is that I am really excited that they will be featuring, i.e. putting equal importance on a 20K, a 50K, a 100K, a 100 mile, and that, it's not the de facto UTMB hundred mile grand finale that it is a grand finale for all those distances, because as you and I have spoken at length, I think we glorify this like super long distance being what trail is and really trail is all these things. And so I, I, that is the one thing that I'm really thrilled about for the series is that focusing on all those distances gives more athletes, a highlight pinnacle under the season, which is also bodes well for sponsors too, to not just have to highlight their hundred mile athletes, but to highlight their 20 K athletes, their younger athletes, potentially no doubt. in those, in those races being, um, shown a little bit more respect, I would say. Yeah, no, I think that is the key thing that I'm most excited about, about this 
whole new development is the diversification of the distances, the consolidation of the sport under a single brand where athletes can race short distance races, middle distance races, long distance races, where people can take a progressive approach to their career, where younger athletes can try and be the the world champion, quote unquote, for 50 K and then move up to the hundred K and then move up to the hundred mile and take a 15 year approach to their career rather than you know, uh, I need to just go run UTMB because it's the important race. Anyway, one of the other things that you just reminded me of Corinne, that I think was noticeably absent was anything about TDS and which I told you was going to happen. Yeah. Well, so, you know, there's been rumors afloat that TDS is, was going to be moving to sometime at some other place in the summer. And now the summer in this calendar is jam packed with events. And I figured that that would have been one of the first announcements that they would have made as part of this new world series. That'll be like a qualifier in July or June or something. Yeah. So no news on TDS quite yet. Maybe they're still working on the plans for that. And maybe ultimately it'll remain during the main UTMB Mont Blanc race at the end of August, but just not, just not one of its featured things. And then one more thing to add about the Western States UTMB collaboration in my mind, that was important that I spoke to Topher Gaylord about this morning was that, um, that they are collaborating in such that they can collaborate on best practices for both organizations, um, live timing, improving live timing at these events, um, health policy and anti-doping standards. So I think that like, once again, as I mentioned, I am really adamant that Western states can be an advocate for the athletes, can be um, an advocate in, you know, making sure that it's transparent for the athletes. Because right now all these race orgs have their own set of rules and it's really hard. It's, It's a further complication for an athlete to understand if they're doing things right or not, because there's no, there's no governance. And so I'm hoping that this brings about, um, clarity for athletes in that regard too, that there is more central governance, um, with the collaboration effort between Western States and UTMB. Yeah. And they can help each other, right? Like UTMB can really help with the live timing and the live coverage and all the things that they've been doing great for years. I know you've been critical of UTMB with the anti-doping program, Western States is anti-doping program. I would think we, we would all agree that it's, it's likely a more professional anti-doping program than what is currently implemented with UTMB. I don't know if there's anything you want to add to that part of the conversation that might be relevant to the listeners. Yeah. I think there should be some concern for athletes, um, about the courts program. We're not going to get nitty gritty here. Yeah. Um, if you want to hear me rant about it, there's a great Trail Society, Trail Society podcast. episode. Dedicated to this five. We'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah, How about that? You want to hear me angry about something? That's a good place to listen. <laughs> well, um, listen, hey, listen. I, I mean, I think it's. I think it is important, right, Corinne? Like, you and I are fans, right? And we care. And at the same time, I do trust these people, both Western states and UTMB. Speaking for myself, not necessarily speaking for you here. And I think that together we are all on the same team and we're all sort of going to be approaching this next generation, hopefully with that mentality. And we are going to hold each other accountable too, when we think that things are messed up and we can disagree on the details and that's fine. And when we do that, we're going to do it in a civil manner, but yeah, right now it is great to see them collaborating and yeah, UTMB has some strengths that Western States can learn from Western States has some strengths that UTMB can learn from and together operating in a constructive and collaborative way, the sport is in a better place. So 
a hundred percent agree. I think that's the only way to move the sport forward is to have these, these really important entities in the sport, these kind of like pillars in the community, um, as one might say, no pun intended there, um, <laughs> is, is critical for us to continue to support the sport we love to con- continue the professionalization of the sport. I don't think that that's going to ruin the love of the sport for anyone. Um, it's going to make it better for some of us, maybe who are making a living doing this or trying to, but I think that they're trying to make it as best as possible for everyone. Um, not just the elites. Um, there'll be specific complaints from both parties for sure. As far as, you know, what is fair and what is equitable. Um, but I we're do always think gonna, we're always going to have those problems. We're always going to have those problems of what's fair, who can get into what races, how hard is it to get into certain races? Yeah. My, my, uh, my index score isn't high enough currently to bypass the lottery, which is insane. Yeah. Well, like yeah, that's so, the way it is. Yeah. Well, Corinne, it's great to be able to chat about this with you. And we, again, are learning about all this stuff in real time ourselves. And Corinne and I are helping each other to think through it. And we will always be honest and uh, yeah, forthright with, with listeners whenever news like this does come out. And uh, Corinne, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add to the UTMB World Series stuff. I think before we sign off, we should just kind of do a brief synopsis of your experience at the Havelino 100 last weekend, an awesome race uh, in Arizona put on by Aravipa. There were some fireworks on the competitive end of that race. Um, where do you want to take it? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a good pivot from the Western States conversation. The We've got a bunch of golden ticket races that have happened. We are already before, before the end of this year, which is a new thing for us, right? Normally, golden ticket race is the first ones in January with Bandera. But this year with the ad of international races, including UTMB, um, and then, uh, the race in France, just a couple of weeks ago, we actually have golden ticket entrance already flooding in to Western States, which I think is very exciting that they're getting this opportunity to check that box, to be ready for Western States in June, to actually have the preparatory time, um, necessary and to open it up to more international athletes with the, the d- like dissolvement of the ultra world tour spots. Um, but the third race of the seven golden ticket races just happened over Halloween weekend and have uh, at Havelina hundred. Have you ever been to that race? Dylan? I haven't, but I want to, I, mean, I will never race it, but I want to go just to party. <laughs> it's so cool. Um, uh, I got to hang out with a bunch of people, um, in costumes all day. Um, it's run by Aravipa. They do a phenomenal job. Jubilee is the race director for it. And she had, I think, 11 costume changes really? and could have done more. Um, I think she gave away some costumes to some aid station workers. And so they, they do a hundred mile and a hundred K, but the hundred mile race was the one given the designation of a golden ticket race this year. Um, and it was cool. It was a good, it was a good race. I was there to crew, um, uh, Bay area runner or former Bay area runner. They're actually in the, the throes Process of moving right now. Um, Devin Yanko, and she unfortunately kind of went in feeling under the weather um, and ripcorded early um, in a good position, uh, which always is a bummer to pull. But you know that's a live to fight, like live to fight another day type of scenario for people trying to get a golden ticket. She's got an opportunity to go to Bandera or Black Canyons, um, and so don't run a hundred miles and mess yourself up more yeah. type of scenario. But the race was good from the get go. Um, I mean, Camille Heron ran away with the women's race. Dude, like, Camille Heron. What a good wow. day. We decided wow. going in that she was going to like light the course on fire or like potentially something would go wrong and she would drop. She's dropped at, I think, mile 80 before of Havelina, which is insane. Like you're so far in. Yeah. 
Um, and she did. She lit the course on fire. Um, Devin Yanka, who I just mentioned, she had the former course record um, on a different course. Courses kind of change year to year. The old course was six and a half loops that um, washer machine. So it went one way oh, yeah. and then went back the other way. The current course they put into effect last year, the 2020 edition of the race um, is five loops um, and it all goes the same direction. And according to the runners on the course, it is the faster of the two directions, which mm. is a benefit. Um, and it's about a mile and a half shorter, but doesn't matter. She destroyed, like destroyed that she ran just over 14 hours in 1403. I think she was fifth overall. Um, it was, was fourth overall. She finished as high as fourth. It was kind of, there was a bunch of guys that were going, they were all going back and forth towards the end. I think string bean either finished right behind her or right in front of her. And that's the person that would either be fourth or fifth. Okay. I'm going to look it up here. Obviously string bean, Joe, um, He's more, we know him more as a through hiker, as like a really fast through hiker. Yeah. Fourth overall. Yeah. And he ran an exceptionally good race. Just he ran out of distance basically at the end, but the men's race was, um, so Camille Heron won, won the women's race in fourth Dude. overall in fourteen oh three. Only 40 minutes. Yeah, or no, behind, 40, behind yeah, 45 minutes, 50 minutes, 50 okay, minutes I, behind I will the men's say winner. That the men's race in my mind, so the women's race in my mind was, we had a bunch of household names in the race. We had Devin Yanko, we had Camille Heron, we had Brittany Peterson, um, people that we know as kind of heavy hitters. And then on the men's side, it was kind of a group of guys who were like knocking at the door, right? It was Cole yeah. Watson. Up it and was comers. Um, Brian Glick. Montgomery. It was Brian Arlen Montgomery. Glick who was a sleeper and shouldn't been a sleeper, you know, like yeah. Yeah. you should know his I name. I want to talk to that guy. Yeah. He's so nice. Um, but so I think that that was the difference between the two fields is that the, the women's field had some really heavy hitters and the men's field was kind of this group of like that next tier still really, really good, totally. but there wasn't like a Tim Tolofsen on the yeah. start line, Dude. but the top three men all went under 14 hours, which I don't think has happened before. Really? So behind Camille Heron was Brittany Peterson. Brittany already has a ticket into Western States for 2022. So doesn't need a ticket. Um, so she was actually the, the race. So once Devin dropped out, it was a race between three women who were all like within a couple minutes of each other for a long time. That was Tessa Chesser who ultimately came out with the ticket. Mm -hmm. So, so stoked for her ran yeah. a great race, super young newcomer, first ever hundred mile Lottie Brinks. Um, she'll be in the result as Lottie, uh, Zeiler German girl, okay. um, but lives in the U S um, and then Nicole Monet. So the three of them were like duking it out. Nicole ultimately dropped after a hundred K and then it was the two of them. It was Tessa and Lottie going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And then finally coming into mile 80, Tessa had like, maybe she'd, she'd broken Lottie a little bit, like the elastic was starting to break. And she all of a sudden had four minutes and five minutes and six minutes. And she came in and they probably had like seven or eight minutes and she extended it to 25 or like to 25, I think over that loop. So Tessa ran hard yeah. at the end to secure that spot. It was so cool to see. So awesome. So cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I wish I was there to spectate, but holy smokes, dude. Ends Camille race? Heron. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. No, 1403, so 45 minutes behind the men's winner, an hour and 45 minutes in front of had, second yeah. place, Brittany, Brittany Peterson, who's an absolute murderer. Yeah. But she and doesn't need a golden ticket. So all, who, all she wanted to do is out, be out there running. Right. I mean, so I'm Camille's she wasn't race, going though, for broke out there, but Camille. It, it feels Flawless. like it was as dominant or more so than Courtney DeWalter at UTMB. Like, yes, wow. I, I would agree, but I don't think the chase for a second was as hard as the chase for second at a race like UTMB. Yeah. Like 
it's hard to run by yourself like that, that hard, like Camille did with no, like, and continue to push with no one near you. Right. Yeah. Like, and to push way below the course record. So major, major kudos to, so to, cool. like, to, to Camille on that. But it was kind of an, op- like, it was almost like it was open. Like she was just out there by herself. Um, from, I'm going out know, there next early. year. I'm dressing up. I'm partying. I'm bringing Bring my truck and my many, dogs. Many and costumes. Many costumes. And I would also note that too, I think of the women in the race and maybe of the men in the race, Camille and her husband have recently moved to Tucson. Um, they've moved to lower elevation. They've moved into the heat. And I think that served her really well too. To It was a warm day. It was into the low 90s. Um, which wow. for those of you coming out of the Bay or out of the Midwest or out of the East Coast, like hasn't been that warm in a little while. So I think that that definitely was a, like you, you saw that out there. Like she looked calm and cool and collected and happy every time I saw her. And then the men's race, the men like Ryan and Arlen literally were going back and forth and back and forth until once again, like the 80 mile mark Wow, where Arlen slowly broke the elastic a little bit more. Um, Arlen Glick, this is, I think his ninth hundred and he's only been second at one of them being tunnel Hill where he was second to Tigert. Um, in that was like a 12, 1257. I think that his slowest hundred to date is like 1520, um, 28 years old, maybe 27 years yeah. old out of the Midwest. So that's, I think why he's like a sleeper from for Ohio. lots of us. Just like, it seems like a stud on the, the faster, flatter, yeah. hundred miler. Great, great course for him. He looked, we were, I was crewing next to his crew and they were dialed and so, so calm and cool and collected. So really excited to see him at a race like Western States. Yeah. Ryan Montgomery ran a super great race, um, paced it really well, was duking it out with Arlen and then Cole Watson, he started to be kind of, I feel like behind these guys and then just slowly moved up and just kind of held that position all day. Yeah. So I'm really excited. That was Cole Watson's first hundred. Um, and someone who I expect to see big stuff from down the road. Yeah. So Camille, Tessa, Arlen, and Ryan all accepting their golden tickets. And I think one other thing to mention on the golden ticket front that would be interesting and relevant to our viewers is that Francois Dane has officially declined his golden ticket to Western yeah. States Same in 2022, along well. with Aurelien Dinad Palaz. So that ticket rolls down to Ludovic Pomeray, who finished fourth at UTMB. And of course, the third place finisher, Matthew Blanchard. So Matthew Blanchard and Ludovic Pomeray, two strong French athletes, will be joining us at Western States in 2022. But Francois and Aurelien have both declined their tickets. I'm wondering if Francois is now planning to go back to Hard Rock. I know Aurelien wants to get into Hard Rock. So we will see those guys duke it out there. It's a bummer not to see the great Francois come back to Western States. It's like the one trophy yet to be on his shelf, but not to happen in 2022. But the great champion, I'm sure, has something else up his sleeve. And then I don't know if you caught this. Um, I was listening to Ruth Croft's. Um, a post-race interview after um, uh, La Templier just a couple of weeks, like the week before Havelina, and Ryan got it out of her. It sounds like she's returning to, to uh, Western States. Yes. So Ruth Croft, after running her first ever hundred and an incredible performance at 2021 Western States, yeah. um, sitting out CCC because she didn't feel good, finishing her season with a super strong win, has said that she will be coming back to Western coming States. Coming back for the Cougar. I got to reach out to Ruth. I got to have her on the podcast. She's, but. 
a she's silent assassin. She's so, what a season. so strong. What a season she had winning Tarawera outright second in Western States, winning Tomplier, one of the great races in Europe. So yeah. So very, very cool stuff coming. And we are so excited that we, we are not even halfway through our golden ticket races. So I feel like we're going to continue to build the hype towards Western States weekend. If it's, in up June. To you, if it's up to you and I, the hype will be built. And I think that's a good place to sign off Corinne on a note of positivity We are all going through a transformative moment in the history of our sport right now. We are all learning together. We are all going to hold each other accountable. And yet we are all going to trust that we all have good intentions and that it's going to work out in the end. Corinne, any parting thoughts on your behalf? No, I am excited. The unknown used to scare me, but I've, I don't know if I'm an adult now or what happened, but I'm now, I accept (laughs) the unknown and I'm really excited to see what that means for us and our sport and all of you at home and we'll sure as shit try to figure it out for you along the way heck yeah well corinne it's always a pleasure to chat with you until we meet again next time until the next time we talk about the sport ad nauseum it's always a pleasure we'll talk to you soon bye Okay, what did you all think? How did we do? What did we forget? Please do let us know. Feel free to drop me a DM. Again, we are all learning and reacting on the fly, but I hope this episode was valuable as we figure out the path forward together. If you enjoy the show, please consider giving us a rating and review on iTunes and or sharing it with your friends on social media. I rarely ask but it really does help us reach new listeners as we continue to try and grow this show and continue to try and spread the gospel of trail running. More good stuff coming soon. Hope you guys enjoyed the show today. That's it for now. Love you all so much. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.